Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Tonight's class is titled Bitterness versus Depression. What if you have both? Huh? If you have both, say it again. Is that a choice between the two? Tonight, we're going to try and present an option to say yes. There is a choice between the two. What, um, what chapter? We're in the middle of chapter 31, though. Before we get in, I want to share. <coughs> this week, we read how Yaakov, in the Torah portion of Ayetze, we learn how Yaakov, he creates his family in Haran away from Israel, outside of Israel. And somehow, Avraham and Yitzchak, they both established their families in Israel, and yet their families were not complete. Avraham had a child, Yishmael, who went off the path Yitzchak had a child, Esav, who went off the path. So in Israel, wasn't so successful. Yet Yaakov, he creates his family outside of Israel. And we learn about Yaakov, mitasay shlema. He had a full, his, the entire family, thank God, remained connected to God. What, what's, what's the logic behind this? You know, we, uh, I, just a week ago I was by the convention and they showed a video. They showed a video of Rabbi Moshe Lazar. Rabbi Moshe Lazar, he was a child. I may be getting some details incorrect, but I believe he was a child in Austria. He was a child when they had the, there's a word for it, it's slipping my mind, when Hitler came from Germany into Austria. They, what they called it? In, oh, the, Anschluss. the Anschluss. He was a child then. He didn't understand what was happening. And he was standing, looking outside. He saw everyone raising their hand and he did the same. And his older sister came and slapped him and said, we don't do that. And the second time, the second time he came, this time already he knew not to do that. He shares how, his, at the beginning, this is before anything was happening, they called out all the women with toothpick, toothbrushes to clean the streets. Thank God he was saved. And a blessing for him, not only was his family saved, but his entire family today are Chabad rabbis. They're all inspiring others. And they are rabbis in Austria. One of them is a rabbi in the same place where he ran away from. Another one is the chief rabbi of Russia. It's unbelievable what, what he's created. But he's been really blessed that his entire family was able to continue the tradition. 
what was unique about Yaakov? Going back to Yaakov, what was unique about Yaakov? That he had the ability for his entire family to continue the tradition. And Avram and Yitzchak, who were in Israel, didn't have that, that privilege. And here we learn a tremendous secret of, of challenges. Avraham and Yitzchak, of course they were very holy, they are forefathers. But one item is that when it came to bad, they banished it. That's the story, right? The story is when Yaakov, when, when Avram heard how Yishmael is going off the path, he banished him from his home. And Yitzchak similarly. When Yitzchak was dealing with evil, he, he got rid of it. So when something happened in their families, how do they deal with it? They got rid of it. Yaakov, on the other hand, he went into the evil and he dealt with it. He went to Lavan. We learned Lavan was a master of tricks. He tried to trick him a hundred times. But Yaakov dealt with it. He was able to find the spirituality within the challenge and bring godliness from it. So when he experienced within his own personal life, when his children were going through challenges, he didn't banish them like his father's. But he was actually able to take those challenges that his children were experiencing and bring out the best from them. I thought that was a very powerful, powerful insight from this week's Torah portion. Yes, the insight is, the insight is, in summary, that when, th when challenges come our way, we could banish them, or we could try and work with them. And ultimately, working with them is the greatest, is the gr will bring out the greatest energy. Like Yeshua knows, I get to work with Yeshua on some, some stuff. Okay, back in the Tanya chapter 31, we're in the middle of discussing. Previously we learned how you have to fight with someone on their level. You have to fight with someone on their level. If someone comes to you with words, you respond with words. If someone comes with a gun, you don't respond with words. You have to fight with someone on their level. The animalistic soul, at times, it needs to be fought with on its level, which may be using the tool of depression. That's what you learned last week. Hagen's addendum to the Tanya says, always bring a gun to a knife fight. <laughs> we concluded last week. Let, let's start from there. That's going to be a good, a good place to start. Page 140, page 140, left column, bottom paragraph. Although one should never be sad, we learned last week, nevertheless, <coughs> the method of subduing the sitra is on the latter's own ground. You have to use the tools that your opponent is using. As a rabbi, the blessed memory have said, 
from the forest itself is taken the axe wherewith to fell it. Where do you take the handle for the axe from the forest? And similarly, we also learn that he met his equal. Fight with someone at their level. With re- now, with regard to this idea of fighting with someone at their level, with regard to this it is written, in every sadness there is profit. That means although you may right now be very sad, but there's going to be profit. What is the profit? The profit being the joy that follows the sadness, as will be explained later. This is where we concluded last week. So we concluded last week that at times you need to be sad, although sadness comes from klipa, but the sadness will bring joy. <clears throat> here, here, the Tanya introduces to us something novel. And that is that there's a very delicate line between sadness and depression. Let me share, as an educator, there's a term that is going around that means one thing, or maybe it means so many things, and everyone is misconstruing it. And the term today is Bullying, right? That's one of the hot words in education. How how are you dealing? Do you have a bully plan? How are you dealing? And when a parent comes to me and says their child is being bullying, uh, I know we're in. It's not. I know we're in for a little bit of a conversation because what the what the parent thinks is happening, what the word bullying means, what we need to be able to define what it means to bully. Now, why did I bring it in? What is the difference between sadness and depression? And I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Now, I am not a licensed psychologist, so I may, I'm going to share my understanding from Tanya. I'm not sharing from the medical field, and I'm happy to be challenged on this. But I'm going to share from Tanya my understanding. If a f- house is on fire, And someone is truly, truly depressed. <laughs> will they run out of that fire? This is a question. I'm not. I'm not ask, I'm not saying the fact. I'm asking a question. If someone is truly depressed to the ultimate point, and the house is on fire, will they run run out of it? They may not. They may not. So the difference that I that I'd like to share. My understanding from Tanya between depression and sadness is, and again, this is the way I'm going to define depression and I'm going to define sadness. Depression is when you've come to a point that you're not going to do anything about it. If someone is depressed, in the words of Tanya, we're talking about you've come to a point where you're, you're, just, you're just depressed. But you're not going to do anything to try and fix that. Sadness, in our terminology, is going to be when you're sad, you're upset, and you're going to try and fix that. Before we go ahead, does anyone have any questions on how I'm trying to define depression and sadness? Yes. From a naturopathic medical point of view. Yes. (laughs) Emotions is energy in motion. Okay. So, sadness is an energy. Anger is an energy. Um, 
And when you have an energy or an emotion, you are energy, you are moving. And that then, it goes through you, clears up, and hopefully comes back to love, joy, whatever, peace. Depression is being suppressed. You're suppressing your energies. You're suppressing, you're, you're blocking the energy from moving. And because you are blocking it and suppressing it, it is being held inside you in a non-moving energy state and you do not move. So you I think you're move. supporting what I'm saying. Yes, I am supporting okay, okay. it, but giving it in a different I, I appreciate that. Is that the naturopathic medical view of that? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Depression is no movement, right. and emotions is energy in motion like that, that comes emotion. through you. Sadness, happiness, anger. All of it. Thank you. Is energy these these, these are great. I, actually, I appreciated that. Uh, David, you wanted to share? Uh, it's important to acknowledge that uh, depression is a state which an individual could find extremely difficult to emerge from and perhaps not even try, whereas sadness can be very, usually is transitory. For instance, the death of something that is, or someone that is uh, very close to a person, that sadness will eventually dull. Circumstances will uh, cause a person to move on from the sadness. He won't forget, he won't say, I don't care about that anymore, but the sadness will leave. It's very difficult to get depression to leave. Because depression, again, is no movement. And, but when somebody cannot tolerate the quantity of emotion that is going through them, they may suppress it and put themselves into a depression yeah. until such time that they're able to then bring it back up into emotion, deal with it, and let it go. So there is a process of... I'll give an analogy that comes to mind. Sadness is when, some, when, some, when someone has died and you're sad, you listen to music and it makes you cry. Depression is when you listen to music and you have absolutely no response to it whatsoever. That's a yeah. scary example. That, that makes sense. That's quite a scary... Yeah. Wow. That, that, thank you for that you. analogy. Anyone else want to share before we go ahead? More, ba more Baja, please. Well, at what point does, uh, you know, it could start out with a, with a mild depression. At what point does it become clinical? At what point does it what? what? At what point does it become clinical? Usually six months by definition. If you're depressed for more than six months, then it is not an acute depression. It goes into a chronic depression or a clinical depression. Dr. Mal, if you wanted to share something? Do you agree? Well, I, I don't know about the length of time. I, I, I don't have any expertise in that. But uh, suicide is, is a uh, result of depression. Mm. I've never heard that suicide is a result of sadness. Mm. That's an actual. Mm. So let's see this inside. Let, let, let's let's get it. Just respond to that for a quick second, because what I hear is people go into depression, and as they're starting to come out of depression, it is in in the process of coming out of depression that they will commit suicide because they're starting to go from the squashing of all emotion into action, and so it's actually on the 
you need to be careful about people coming out of depression mm. right. that they may commit suicide. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really... Frequently depression can be medicated. Sadness cannot except by just a general time passage and change of circumstances. So let's try and put this together. We previously learned that there are times that a person needs to humble oneself. Humbling oneself, we gave numerous methods, I think five, how to come to that humility, how to break yourself. But breaking yourself, we said, will essentially push you over to klipa, because klipa is sadness and depression. And that's where, we're, that's where we're holding right now. That breaking yourself doesn't need to go ahead and connect you with klipa. Because so long as the breaking yourself is, so long as the breaking yourself is going to be part of an action plan, then that could all be part of Kedusha. I'm going to try and share something, but I have much more knowledgeable people than myself in this field, so if I'm wrong, I'll accept that. My understanding from one of the commentators on the Tanya is, let, let, me, let me share this with an introduction. The Tanya last week we learned shared that although by breaking yourself you're going to become dejected and that's connected with klipa, it's okay because you need to fight the klipa with its own tools. That's what we learned last week. But now we're going to go ahead and say, however, it's not even really klipa because you're not really depressed, you're sad. That's the flow of Tanya. But there's a little bit of a problem here, if you get deep into the Tanya, that if it's not Klippa, so don't call it Klippa. Why did we start off last week learning that although it's Klippa, don't worry? Because you need to deal with Klippa on its own level. So the commentators share, and actually I think it's from a note of the Rebbe, that when someone breaks themselves, the first second they're broken is depression. Meaning, the first sec second they're broken, the immediate response is a feeling that I'm, I'm down and I'm not going to do anything about it. The hope is though, that, and that could last, my understanding from the text, you'll know, is that that could be, literally could be a moment of time, could be a, a, a second, but for that initial reaction is going to be that I'm down and I'm not going to do anything about it. The hope is that immediately following you're going to be, you're going to be able to actually think about it and say, hey, now let's make an action plan. So the Tanya here essentially is telling you that minute, that those 30 seconds when you, after you've, you've broken yourself to break your spirit, those 30 seconds of depression, meaning depression, meaning that there's no action plan, that is connected to Klippa, but that's not a problem because you need to deal with Klippa on its own level. However, once you pass the first 30 seconds, it's not even depression anymore. It's sadness because you're going to make an action plan. Can, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. If that didn't make sense, don't worry about no, it. The only reason it didn't make sense was I missed last week. So this idea of breaking yourself, what does that mean? So we've been learning for the last few chapters that at times someone's mind is going to become dull. 
and they're not going to be able to, and their heart will become dull. They won't be able to um, have emotional feelings towards God, even when they're going to contemplate about godliness. Are you, are you, are you on purpose trying to break yourself? Yes. So if someone's heart is dull, and they're not going to able to create emotional feelings, then that means that they need to break themselves a little bit. That means that, that their being is stopping themselves from connecting to God. So we learned that you need to break yourself a little bit. Think about how others are greater than you. Think about... Humble yourself. Humble yourself. But initially when you humble yourself, you may become for a few, mo for a few moments depressed. How could that be if depression is klipa? So he said, last week you need to deal with the klipa on its own level. If it understands depression, so work with it on that level. However, now we're learning that once you've passed the first 30 seconds or however long that period of time stands, it's not even depression, it's sadness. Let's see that inside. Page 140, please. Before Klippa definition. It literally means a shell. A shell? It's, it's, a, it's a, something that surrounds holiness. Um, surrounds holiness or is it empty of holiness? Surrounds. Well, it's, it's surrounding, it's trying to block holiness. Surrounding in a bad way. It's like a... Blocking holiness. Blocking holiness, yeah. Dr. Mal, I'm sorry, please go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to ask you something that um, I came across the Talmudic term in the past week where they were talking about a husk of a plant. Yeah. And they didn't use the word klipa, they, they used a different word. Klipa... In the Talmud, it would be in Aramaic. Yeah. Klipa, I believe, would be a Hebrew word. How do you say to peel in Hebrew? Anyone know how to say the words to peel? Lekalef. Lekalef. Oh. To peel. To peel. See, all that time in the army wasn't wasted. Half of it was asleep. That's it. Lekalef is the verb to peel. The shorish of klipa is kuf, lamed pei. So if you add in lamed at the beginning, lekalef means to peel. Doesn't that help at all? Right, right, right. We, yeah. Okay. Page 140, right-hand column top. In truth, however, a contrite heart and the bitterness of the soul... When someone is broken because of its remoteness from the light of the divine countenance and it's being closed in the sitra when someone is down because of how far away he is from godliness and that the godliness is enclosed inside of the, inside of the klipa are not called atzvus, it's not called dejection in the sacred tongue. For atzvus, in the, in, the, in the sacred tongue, atzvus implies that the heart is dull, like a stone, and is devoid of vitality. Atzvus is, there is no feeling. No. Numb. I like that example you gave of the person listening that can't cry. They're numb. But in the case of Meriros, bitterness, and a broken heart, the contrary is surely true. There is vitality in the heart, fermenting agitation and bitterness. 
Ah, okay. Okay. So here we've clarified that we are not talking about, and that's why the title was Bitterness versus Depression. Because we first need to clarify that depression means no feeling, and, and bitterness in our context, again, I'm not telling you medically, but in our context, sadness, bitterness means you are alive and kicking. You are going to fight that item, whatever it is that's bothering you, you are going to fight it to the very end. So now we need to talk about where in holiness is there room for bitterness. Which part of the holy makeup of our body does bitterness come from? Could anyone figure this out? Let's talk about the makeup of our body. We're made up of three intellectual items, which is our wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And then we're made up of emotions, which are kindness, and then, givur, severity, givur. So when we're loving one another, when we're being kind to, our, to ourselves, that's coming from kindness. But when we are going ahead and being tough on ourselves, that could be coming from this, the holy side of givur, the holy side of severity. So the fact that we're bitter can be coming from the Attributes, the holy attribute of Gevura. In Chinese medicine, I believe bitterness, I know anger comes from the liver. Bitterness, I think, comes from the gallbladder. Just thought I'd put it out there. When you're bitter, you taste gall. <laughs> you're, you're in that state of being. And that's what we learned. That's, I, thank you for pointing that out. I, I don't mean to ignore you. That's, that's <laughs> okay. I just thought I would throw that out. There. This is where we're going to go now. We're going to say, except that this vitality stems, where does the vitality stem for this bitterness? From the attribute of the holy Gevurot severities. Whereas joy comes from the attribute of chasadim kindness. For the heart is comprised of them both. Both Gevura and both Chesed and Gevura, kindness and severity, they're both holy. And there is a place for both of them. Talking about the forefathers, we know that Avraham was kindness. Abraham was kindness. How do we know? That's why he had, he had a tent on all four sides. And actually we learned the reason that he had a son Yishmael was because he was so kind. He gave, he, kindness went everywhere to everybody. He didn't limit the kindness. On the other hand, Yitzchak was severity. Yitzchak was strict. We know Yitzchak never left Israel. Yitzchak himself never left Israel. Yitzchak was, so we have, within our heart, we are able to be happy, we're able to be sad. Okay, but now, now we've run ourselves into a question. We've run ourselves into a question. We learned last week that if you want to fight someone, you have to fight them on their level. If you want to fight Kalipa, you have to fight... But today, you're all of a sudden telling me that the severity is not anymore on its level. The severity is holy. Last week we learned that if you want to fight someone, we learned the quote was, he met his equal. So he said, deal with the clip on its own level. 
But now, all of a sudden I've told you, however, when you're bitter, it's coming from holiness. So how am I going to match up the fight? How, is, how are we going to be able to work with the Kalipa if we're not anymore at the Kalipa's level? Good question. Thank you. <laughs> Do you remember we learned we gave an analogy of the king who hired this person to subdue his son to sin. Remember the analogy? Mm -hmm. Seduce, not subdue. To, to seduce, thank you. Seduce his son to sin. And we said that this person's motive, this person does not want the king's son to sin. Because she knows that's, that's not what the king wants. But at the same time, they've been hired to do their best to, to seduce the son. So in this whole story, let's take the story at face value. <coughs> we could say that the person that's being hired... They could even be a holy person. Let's say there's no one in the whole city that sins. So the king is hiring a holy person. And their job is to try and convince this. But they're holy. Let's well, that's what Klippa is. We're saying Klippa, they're not bad. Klippa is Hashem has created Klippa to test us. And hopefully we're going to withstand the test and make ourselves better. But that is only klipa in its source. If you go to the root of klipa, you'll see that it is godly and it's on a mission. However, when klipa comes down into this world already and does its job, in our world it is bad. Let me give you an example. That's what I wanted to that same example, imagine that the king hired someone to seduce his son, and that person hired somebody else, who eventually hired 100 people. The final person who's going to try and seduce the king's son has no clue what happened. And they're just doing it because that's what their job is. They don't know all of this fluff that the king is just testing. The, they don't know that whole story. So the final person is doing it with negative intentions. Let's carry that back to Klippa. Again, Klippa and its source is good. But after it's come down so many levels, in this world, it appears bad. And actually, Klippa in this world is bad. Because it's, it's so disconnected from its source. So therefore, when you want to go ahead and refine Kalipa, there's one way to do it. That is by arousing its source. Remember, Kalipa and its source is holy. So if you see Kalipa, if you see something negative, bad, evil down here, your way to bring out the godliness within it and refine it and refine it is by arousing its source. Remember, if that hundredth, if the one hundredth person who was hired would, would go to the first person 
and have a little conversation, they would immediately realize that this whole thing by the king is, is really for a good reason. If the hundredth level of Klippa is going to go back to its source and have a little conversation, they're going to realize that we're not here to hurt people, we're here to bring out the best in people. So the way we can refine Klippa is by arousing within it, revealing within it, its own source. And what is the source of Klippa? Holy Givura. Hashem is testing us. Where do those tests come from? From Givura. Just as a story of Eov, basically. The story of Eov. Right. Right. Givura means what? Givura means severity. I feel like I'm talking for too long. Could someone else try and share the point I said over in their own words? I'd love to hear it. Go ahead. The last word from holy... What was the word you used? Givura. Givura. Does anyone want to try and repeat back what I said for my benefit, maybe to see if I understood it, and to see if others understood it? So far you're on fire, Jim. Yeah, you should. Try, try well, and repeat back. I would back. say that I'm on fire, but... Uh, okay, you're, 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 but, uh, you're, 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 pas- you're alive. You're passionate. We're learning. So, uh, I would... Uh, anyone interrupt me when you want to, but going to... That story is an example. These were tests of a person's uh, devotion, a test of a person's faith. And the more, just like Abraham was tested, maybe in a sense, but the more a person was tested, the stronger they become. And the, strong, the stronger their faith becomes, the stronger their faith in themselves to, to deal with adversity becomes. They learn to become resilient. That's why Hashem created Klippa. Hashem created Klippa to test us and bring out the best within us. And now, but now we're learning a lot deeper. <coughs> when you want to go ahead and reveal the good within Klippa, you need to reveal its source. <coughs> reveal the holiness within it, which is from severity, from Givura. <coughs> Sorry. Please, no, no, please ask. I, I, maybe that's to, maybe that's what Jim was, no, I understand what Jim was saying was, when you say to reveal its source, that means to acknowledge that it's, it's, it's not, on the, on the surface it looks like a bad thing, but it's actually God testing us, right? Is that... Is that, what, is that what it is? Right. Well, actually, we're learning deeper. We're learning on the surface, it is a bad thing. Because remember, at this level, the klipa is bad. It's right. so disconnected from Hashem. But if we're going to go and dig deep within it and reveal its source within it... It was intended as a good thing, but it that's looks right. like a bad thing. And then, the moment you reveal... It's true intention, it's only going to be good. It's only here to bring it to the best within you. So going back to the, yeah, so you're, we can go back to the example of the rabbi in Austria who uh, had the test and in response to that test uh, raised a family of devoted rabbis. Right. Mm-hmm. 
reticence, presumably. David is waiting to talk. And if you ask what the, uh, if the Holocaust was a test, that's on a different whole, another level, maybe. Then a whole different level. Yeah, because the general answer to that is there is no answer. The fact that I'm still sitting here after the Holocaust, there is something in there. Yeah. I would respectfully suggest that there is an answer. Um, on occasion, a Gentile will say to me, well, how <clears> can you explain the Holocaust and the fact that you were almost eradicated? And I said, well, let's go back. How far back do you want to go? Let's go back to the Sumerians. I said, uh, we can go through every one of these uh, situations in which we were almost were eradicated. And we survived every one of them and we're still here. Now let's take a look at horrible as it was and complete lack of humanity, what happened in the Holocaust. Let's take a look at what happened to the Germans, what happened to the Poles. May their names be erased. What happened to the Russians and the Ukrainians and the loss of life, the destruction of their infrastructure, their towns, their resources. And I said, who came out as bad as the Jews, if not worse, in terms of the impact on their society? So I believe in divine retribution. And as much as we suffered, they got it, but good. Can I? I'm going to ask. Irrelevant. I'm going to ask. Yeah. We ha I want to finish, if I can, page 140. We have five minutes. And I'm happy to stay. Let's try and cover this idea inside. This point, that if you reveal the, the holiness that is at the core of everything, then we'll be able to sweeten it by bringing out its godliness within. Let's read this inside. Page 140, right-hand column, second paragraph. <coughs> Thus, it is sometimes necessary to awaken the attribute of the Holy Givurot in order to sweeten the stern judgments arising from the animal soul and evil nature when triumphing heaven for fend over man. So when the animalistic soul comes and is trying to triumph over God, over man. So now you need to pull out all the guns, as they say. Pull out all your tools. And your biggest tool is looking at the clip in the eye and saying, hey, I know you. Let's just... I, I must share a quick story. There was a boy who was being bullied because he wore a very torn coat. And he was being bullied by another boy who had a nice coat. And the principal calls them both into his office. So let's give them names. For Uvain is a boy being bullied. He's being made fun of his torn coat. And Shimon is a boy who has a nice coat. The principal calls them into the office. And the principal says to Uvain, the principal tells Shimon, Shimon, tell me, where did you get your coat from? So Shimon is very embarrassed, but he says, he says, my parents got it from a collection agency. We couldn't afford it, and I got this nice coat. He then turns to Reuven, and he says, Reuven, is this something you want to share? And so Reuven says, I didn't want to embarrass Shimon, but that nice coat he's wearing used to be mine. 
true story. He became, un unfortunately, Reuven, his parents couldn't afford it the next year. But the boy who was making fun of his torn coat was wearing a coat that he previously had donated. Mm. You know, if you, if you look back, sometimes if we, if we look Klippa in the eye and we tell Klippa, I know you well, and I'm not going to look at you. I'm going to look through you. You're going to knock it out. Don't look at it for who it is. Look at it at its source. It's holy. And then, for this, I just want to finish this and then I'll take as many questions. For the stern judgments can be sweetened only at their source. If you go to the source, you're pulling out the source of godliness that is saying it's here for godly reason, you're all of a sudden going to remove the evil from it and just leave the mission. Klepa is here for a mission. Klepa is not evil. It's evil only once it's descended here and lost its focus. Just like that person who's, who's here to tempt the king's son. They're not evil. Yeah, if they hired the, hundred per, the, hundred, the, one, the last one has no clue what's going on, maybe they are here for the wrong reasons. But at the source, there's no evil. Therefore, the rabbis of... Let, let's stop here. Here we've gotten to a good point. We'll summarize and take all the questions. In summary, the first moment that someone breaks themselves, they may have true depression. Momentarily. But true depression in our context meaning that they are void, they have no energy within them to fight. After a moment, hopefully they're going to get past that feeling of nothing and they're going to start fighting. Is that a holy fight, we said? Is that a holy fight? Yes. Because within us we also have givura, severity. And sometimes that means that you need to be tough. How does that help? How does that help to fight the klipa? Because klipa at its source is from the holiness of severity. God, was, God tests us. And that test, the holiness, the positive within it comes from the Holy Givura. So when we reveal the source of Klippa, we automatically break apart the bad within it, and we just leave what it is for what it is. I'll share one last story I heard last night. There was a, a boy going through a very troubled upbringing. He went to someone, it, it sounded to me, maybe they were a hypnosis, I'm not exactly sure. You were what? A hypnosis, is that a word? They, sure. They, yeah, and they got to the core of the issue with the child. And the story was that when the child was three, his mother cut his hair by his upsharenish. He's three years old, and he didn't want it to be cut. And ever since then, he's been a very angry. That's the story. That's what it was. That's the reality. That's what was bottling. But the moment they got to the core of the story, everything else fell aside. That, that, that's what the child needed to address. Everything else fell aside. If we could get to the core of the Kalipa, everything else will fall aside. Uh, any questions? I mean, I think there are some questions. But Yes, David. When I first read this, uh, I won't go into my criticisms and concerns of it because I think that's presumptuous. But this, it seems to me, points out something extremely important. 
we talk about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and big questions, I don't think it's a big question at all. It's a day-to-day -day struggle, every day, without fail. And consequently, one needs to address this and get into the habit of addressing it without thinking about the struggle, but simply to react in a positive way to extremely negative circumstances because Hashem knows it flows like water and one cannot dwell on the big questions. One needs to develop strategies for the everyday. Well, that's, that's the same as, I mean, yeah, you, you have to, what, was, what were you saying? The struggle is the struggle, or about six months ago, or something. I don't remember the words, but, but maybe this is The struggle about, is the goal itself. Right. But I, and I think what you're saying, David, is that the struggle is to constantly actually be, try to be positive. You may not always succeed, but, but on a daily basis, and, and the more that you try to do that is like a muscle, you strengthen it, and it, it gets a little bit easier each time. Not, not, it's not flawless, of course, but... Or that was well said. Yeah. Well said. So can I just throw two cents into the Holocaust because I feel like I want to throw my two cents in, and that is the Holocaust happened. It was a huge test, and it grew step by step by step by step. And I think God was watching man to see how man would react. Were they going to react in fear, anger, kindness, honesty? And that it was really a learning experience to, to see how man would react under a very, very bad situation. And there were many reactions from many different people along the way. And those of us who survived were because there were those who had kindness and compassion and love in their hearts who helped along the way. And those who died was because they weren't in a spot of love and compassion and kindness. You'll forgive me. I try not to argue with people, but I need, I, I need to argue. I need to argue and say that um, the Rebbe was clear that the people who died are called Kedoshim. Those should mean that they are called holy martyrs that go straight to heaven. Oh, I, yes. And we are not allowed to, and he brings many, many sources, we are not allowed to go ahead and, and start judging and saying these people were in, you know, deservant or, or that they, you know, they... Wow. We're in a situation where death was the best thing for them, etc. That, that's something that we are not allowed to say. Um, I do not judge. I only leave judgment in God's hands. And I believe that those who died is because it was okay with God's permission. It was okay that God, between God and the situation that they died, and I'm not going to judge any of that. But I also think that God expects to see what, how we are going to react, how we are going to. Yeah, if, that, if, if it was a test that I had to say mankind failed in a business, yeah. a business. Yeah. 
and yeah. God there saw were that. exceptions there were exceptions and since I don't like to dwell on the negative I'm going to say a positive thing here um, there was this guy who, who it was in a paper the other day who had, it was an incredible story he was from um, Norway and uh, did, oh, did, did you read that? I think he I just died. He was 95 years old. Yeah, I read that and, book. Um, he, he helped to blow up the tritium plant of the deuterium yeah, plant. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, so it was this this guy who, um, he, he went, it was, the, Norway was under control of the Nazis. He didn't like that. So he went to offer his services to the British. And, um, and they developed, and they knew that Hitler was working on it, uh, an atom bomb. And he had a heavy water plant in, in Norway. And so the, these, this team, uh, they, they, they snuck in, I guess, in the, in the night and so on. Very difficult circumstances. And um, they traveled, I think, only by night. And uh, they ended up blowing up the plant and escaping. Like, didn't they have to blow it up twice or something? No, no once. Oh, OK. No. But, they, but they, they escaped to Sweden from Norway with about 2,500 or 3,000. Middle of winter. Ski cross country. Yeah, ski cross country. And, and, and um, um, uh, there were like uh, 3,000 German soldiers chasing him. Literally. Yeah, oh, so they, literally. And the first two literally, missions right. failed. I, I think they shot, they parachuted into Norway. I think I think there was two groups. There was two groups. Mm -hmm. I think I think one of them, one of the plane was shot down. And these were well-trained. I mean, it was a huge loss. Yeah, yeah. So miraculously, these guys got in. Otherwise, Hitler would have had the... Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, God. There were some other reasons why he didn't. But, right. that, but developing the heavy water and the heavy, heavy water was key to developing the bomb. If, if you want to borrow the book, I have the book, which reads like a novel. No, it was a movie. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs>